Welcome back to A People's Guide to Publishing. I'm Joe Beal, the founder and CEO of Microcosm Publishing and Distribution. I'm also the author of A People's Guide to Publishing, which distills what I've learned from selling millions of books over the past 25 years. I'm Ellie Blue. I'm the Editorial and Marketing Director here at Microcosm. We are an independent midlist publisher based in Portland, Oregon. We have 14 employees, over 650 titles in print with 20 to 40 new books per year, and we distribute thousands of titles from other publishers. We started this podcast so that we can share what we've learned with newer publishers so that you can learn from our mistakes. Or maybe you just want to understand the publishing industry. This week we are going to talk about how media influences culture and how culture influences media. We're going to talk about cancelled books! <laughs> Which is, yes, in turn what results in the ultimate hand-wringing struggle of trying to determine how, yeah, like, why the publisher has say in what they do and do not publish, and, you know, which is, like, sort of the bigger question of, like, why this is not censorship, <laughs> which is sort of the big meaning, or increasingly meaningless word thrown around. So let's start with, like, current events. Or, like, a history, I don't know. I don't know. You Back want to choose your favorite further. example? Well, I mean... You know the the uh, the the right has long accused media and especially Hollywood of being like the propaganda arm of the left. You know, of basically like shifting public opinion incrementally, and that's always why they had censors, and you know why they had like you know codes and things and you know things like you know even everything from like the way that like sex would not be shown or implied on the silver screen to that was definitely the left's <laughs> you know well i mean this is why the, the argument why all those things were necessary you know was like otherwise we would like be teaching people the wrong thing communism and, anarchism and, free and right and then the bigger problem became then like you know they made people sign on to like the i am not a communist thing and you know in the 50s and you know and it just got like increasingly ridiculous until the dam broke and now you can kind of do well you can suffer the consequences of doing essentially whatever you want at our point in culture today but that does not mean that companies are required to publish anything yeah. that comes across their door Exactly, and I think that's sort of the biggest thing where creative people get stuck. And I use the term creative very, very loosely. Like, is Milo Yiannopoulos a creative? You would be hard-pressed to deliver that argument. <laughs> I definitely he comes up with a lot of fictions. His ideas are creative, but, like, his work is not creative. You know, and I think that's sort of the bigger issue here is, like, so let's back it up slightly again, just for people who, like, don't know who that is. And Welcome. didn't follow that. This is the People's Guide to Publishing. <laughs> so, you know, I guess the past... So, like, you know, that sort of brought us to the 1950s, and then since then, you know, there's been less and less rigorous restriction as, you know, certain things... You know, I really feel like Hollywood did sort of set a lot of the precedents here, because book publishing has always been just a little more freer and looser, you know, especially as, you know, we went from like hundreds of publishing companies to thousands to tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands to now millions, you know, 
where you know you just don't really have a lot of rigor you know like when we published uh the post-structuralist vulva i really thought someone would come out of the woodwork and be like you can't do that and then instead people were like i love it i mean we could publish like pornography now which yeah you couldn't yeah even just a couple decades ago a great example yeah like that you had a lot and more in fact we are <laughs> <laughs> right and so those kinds of things you know has the governmental restriction has loosened quite a bit and then that sort of weirdly resulted in the construction that all ideas are good and equally valid and so now sort of the job of publishers is to assess that assertion is to be like are these ideas good are they acknowledging the information that's out there are they challenging ideas or are they just trolling right or yeah does this book have any value even if it ostensibly fits our list and we would possibly sell a lot of copies of it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you know and usually the answer is no regardless i mean the answer if the book is not challenging culture in an effective or interesting way the people are not dumb they're gonna figure that out they're gonna not be interested either you know like people are not going to buy a book that has no value proposition you know or worse a book that has a good value proposition that it does not uphold the um so the book that joe was referring to was a few years ago i forget which year it wasn't that long ago but this conservative right-wing guy milo yiannopoulos had a book deal with simon and schuster mm -hmm. oh that that name is going to come up a few more times mm -hmm. in this episode and there was quite a bit of outcry including one of their best-selling authors roxanne gay pulling one of her books because she was like why would you give this guy a platform what value does this have and the arguments were essentially twofold that like he was just a troll and that he was really pushing an agenda rather than you know really meeting culture where it was at and you know and then on the other end simon and schuster has a lot more cultural cachet than say like a right-wing ideologue press that does exist to publish books like that of which there are plenty mm -hmm. you know and it really gives it a certain implied credibility that it doesn't really have but old milo couldn't be uh content with a conservative ideologue press he had to self-publish in a great line of self-publishers that um were almost immediately forgotten my favorite moment in that whole story was when uh someone at simon and schuster i forget if it was official or not but leaked the um edits on the manuscript as an editor that gave me great joy because it just had a lot of questions like how do you substantiate this what is your source for this yeah. uh what do you even mean by this yeah. and i was like yes this is and i mean honestly that's probably how they got out of the contract yeah as being like what you turned in was not publishable yeah and that's a pretty common clause that you have but you know it's like if you're on the other end of that you think you're being censored you mm -hmm. you know whereas like or at least it serves your purposes to declare that you're being censored yeah and you you know but publishing really only does its job when it holds you to that amount of rigor and you know like any author should be pushed to answer fundamental journalistic questions like that on their manuscript. I mean, we've definitely had books we've had to cancel 
from like leftist authors because they weren't able to do the edits on their book that made the book good or like yeah to even fulfill the value proposition yeah that they had claimed yeah. unfortunately and, it doesn't even have to be like ideological <laughs> like, right it's just like partly it's being willing to do the work and then partly it's that like the claims have to have teeth or at least the appearance of teeth in some cases i mean i would argue that this book um in proposition like the pitch for this book completely fulfilled whatever imprint it was going to be part of like yeah. they couldn't it wouldn't make any sense for them to cancel it on ideological terms because you know but and they probably wouldn't have canceled it if there hadn't been a public outcry they just found a way i don't know i mean i guess this is like kind of part of the point is the one we make over and over which is like make sure you have like a pretty clear mission and values for your company and yeah. Objection speculative. But then also make the books good. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's a more recent case where, once again, our beloved Simon & Schuster had another book with Senator Hawley, who I swear I had literally never heard of before until his book got cancelled because he demanded that the Trump's insurgency for the stolen election was substantiated and blah blah blah. And then Simon & Schuster was like, no, we are not publishing this book. And then the more or less correct, for lack of a better term, thing happened, and a right-wing ideologue press that is distributed by Simon & Schuster <laughs> bought the rights to the book and are republishing it. I guess the moral of this story is billionaires will make money no matter what you do. Right. And so, you know, and that's fine, because it, it you know, it's like, I'm sure the book is terrible. The book will be forgotten. Holly will be forgotten in another four years. We'll be so. trying to remember who that was, you know, in a John Ashcroft kind of way. And then, you know, we'll have a number of moments where, you know, there'll be newer, more dangerous, weirder cases. And um, there's a new book coming out in uh, this year, Unmasked. Uh, which allegedly identifies the real motivations of the Antifa movement, and the author is in Portland, who is a uh, aggressive, active user of Twitter. This whole thing is plagiarizing other journalists, but like changing a few words in order to like appear to be incriminating left-wing activists and also like exposing people's personal information i don't know he doesn't even seem to have like a particularly political motivation he just seems to be like a chess player kind of bad one very good at attracting twitter followers um but yeah i do i would often find posts served to me and then i would do like 30 seconds of fact finding and i'd be like the entire premise of this post is factually inaccurate you know whether and you know and there was one case where like in our neighborhood there was graffiti and windows smashed, but mostly graffiti. And, you know, he claimed the police allowed this to happen. And you're like, well, it looks like the police arrested them already. So I'm going to say they didn't allow it to happen. <laughs> but, you know, it was, he was, you know, in his grand argument, the police were in on it you know which is i guess whatever is a pretty juicy tidbit and if it was true and then you know this is the same person who was uh kicked off of his college newspaper for ethical grounds being violated which was a bit of a doozy but so his book is being published by hachette and interestingly instead of 
I don't know, maybe, I don't know if it's Portland activists or if it was just, like, the moment, but instead of, like, taking it to social media to pressure the publisher, which often works, to get a book cancelled, um, they started protesting a local bookstore because they were offering the book for pre-order on their website. Right. And, like, this, you know, made national news and had great visuals, people marching with signs, the store had to close early for an entire week, and, like, that's, like, the best book promotion money can't buy. Like, yeah, uh, I, uh, yeah that like, was, like, bad strategy. It's gonna drive sales on the book one way or another, and, you know, I... I had heard of the book, but, you know, I've been rolling my eyes at the book for so many months now that I was like, oh, this will be a flash in the pan that is immediately forgotten. Yeah, you know? like, that local bookstore was only ever going to sell five to ten copies. Yeah. Like, that's not... They're, they're not the people to go to. Go to the, go to the top. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, things like that. You know, and again, it's like a person has a right to express their ideas. Their ideas maybe should be factually accurate and, like, ethically sourced. And able to be substantiated, and you have a right to express your ideas and your opinions and your politics, but those ideas should be substantiated and based in fact, and you know, at least have supporting arguments. But regardless, like, even if your ideas are the best ideas in the world, you don't have the right to have a specific publisher publish your work. Right. And that is, you know, it's not censorship that somebody doesn't want to work with you. People have a right not, you know, censorship is when the government says these ideas cannot exist and this information cannot be available in our borders, you know. That's very different than a publisher saying I'm not really interested in spreading around these values. Or look, you violated our contract. Right. Yes. More to the point. And so the, you know, in this you know, in a, like, a prescient recent example, you know, you can claim that there the election was stolen, there was election fraud, but you would need to be able to substantiate that with facts, and if you can't do that, that is just sort of shouting into traffic. And, however, the problem becomes when, you know, a multi-billion dollar global corporation is saying, these ideas are worthwhile, check them out. You know, they have just as much merit as the opposing ideas, you know, especially when that is not true. So, you know, think about that and think about, you know, the audience of your press and what you want to express to them. I'll definitely think about your contract. Yeah. And, I mean, there are, there's definitely some grainier examples. Uh, there was a press that ceased publication on one of their more famous uh, green anarchist authors because of uh, ideas he expressed about gender theory that were abhorrent to the owners and they put all of his books out of print that were very popular but you know and again this is their right you're not being censored you know, they don't have to do that. You can, you know, there's so many other ways to put those books out. You, you know, you, it's like any other relationship in your life. The, the, the respect has to go both ways, you know? And I think that is hard for some people to see that when they behave badly towards somebody they want to have a relationship with, the other person is not going to want to have a relationship anymore, you know? It's funny, I've been thinking while we've been talking about this, how, like, one of the big critiques of publishing in the last ten years, thanks Amazon, is that publishers are gatekeepers. Mm -hmm. And, like, 
It is true. Like publishers have been for so long gatekeepers that have kept out marginalized voices. Yeah. But I think the fact that like the fact of gatekeeping is not the problem. The fact of like who's doing it and what by what standard is. So you know, as a publisher, think of yourself. You got. You kind of got to own that. Wonder if this gate is worth keeping. <laughs> Thanks for joining us once again. Please send your questions to podcast at microcosmpublishing.com so we can answer them on future episodes. And please give us five stars on iTunes and everywhere else that podcasts are reviewed. You can find us on the internet at microcosm.pub. On Twitter at microcosm. On Facebook at microcosm publishing. On Instagram at microcosm underscore pub. And here in Portland, Oregon on North Williams Avenue. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week. <laughs>